0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show, the show that harkens back to the days of the Sears catalog and the phone book. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit, here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational But always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast And I am your host, Brian Levine It is the end of June And summer is here, officially And it is hot and steamy, both outside and inside Uh, On this week's episode, a tobacco review of uh, Wessex Red Virginia Flake The uh, current production, Red Virginia Flake and then my guest is from Australia, uh, new, uh, new to the pipe restoration, new to pipe smoking and pipe making, uh, Paul Leadbeater, and we get to find out about his last name and had a lot of fun talking to Paul. Uh, then we'll have a uh, music mailbag in, rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, and as the uh, as we are currently recording this on uh, Monday night because of scheduling uh, my wife is flying back from California where my daughter is now entrenched and she is coming home to uh, join me in this empty nest and uh, I'll get to hear all about her trip although I heard most of it most about it all the way across the country and saw pictures and everything so uh, they did get to... Uh, The two of them did get a chance to stop off in uh, a couple and do some sightseeing, including uh, Elvis's birthplace in Tupelo. uh, Made it across to uh, some of the uh, Southwest Desert parks, uh, the Painted Desert in particular. So, yeah, it's a big country. And when you get a chance to drive across it like that, you know, do make sure that you stop and, uh, I don't know, smell the roses or, uh, smell the desert rocks <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, stand outside, smoke a pipe. Not probably really good pipe smoking weather when you're in a desert that's also, you know, 105, 110 degrees. But, uh, anyway, they made it across safely and, uh, wife is coming back home and, uh, we'll, uh, experience what it's like not having anybody around. So there you go. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go.
1: This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Corn Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show and Pipe Parts Tobacco Review. So uh, Wessex is a brand that goes back to uh, Alan Schwartz and his XYZ Direct Company, and I think it stemmed out of the fact that he couldn't get the, he couldn't purchase the McConnell's brand. So uh, Wessex has a, a bit of a history, and now currently made by Kohlhaus and and imported by Arango Cigar Company. And you know, with Allen at the uh, at the original helm for it, and when it moved, even when it moved to Germany, Alan was still there. So I'm sure he was uh, uh, very much involved in making sure that the uh, that the tobaccos worked. Uh, this one, re- Red Virginia Flakes. So I was kind of intrigued by this, and I inherited this tin uh, from a uh, from a friend who tried a whole bunch of stuff and then just sent it to me. And I, you know, all right, Red Virginias, I, I like Red Virginias. But when you, we when you first hear the word Red Virginias, automatically some of us turn to the McClelland. Well, I know going in that this is not going to be a McClelland Red Virginia. And as I've talked about, you know, I like Red Ribbon. Uh, I know that it's not going to taste the same. So I went in with an open mind. Uh, this is the newer production because it is in the round can, like you know, to satisfy all the EU requirements, and it's got the blank spot on the bottom half of the label where the health warning would go if it was in Europe. But the back of it, the description has changed since uh, since the listing was put up on Tobacco Reviews. On TobaccoReviews.com, the the back of the tin description says "classic medium navy cut with red sun top note," and the red sun is in quotes. Uh, they describe it as a straight Virginia, just Virginia tobaccos, and a little bit of a um, a little bit of a room, a room note, um, you know, medium, but very little flavoring detected. And now on the back of it the new one, the one that I smoke, the one that I have here in my hand says this exotic seeming medium, strong flake tobacco of 100% Virginia has been perfected carefully with fragrant and gentle flavors of coriander and rose oil, an extraordinary specialty, or if we were in England, a speciality. Uh, So I was interested when they, when they said, Uh, coriander and rose oil, and then I looked and saw that it said, you know, red sun top note. Well, all right. So the new uh, flavoring requirements say that you've got to say what is in there and so on and so on, and you've got to back them down. Uh, So on opening the tin, and I got this tin uh, pre-opened, which was a good thing in my book because by the time I got to the tobaccos, it was pretty darn wet. So that was... uh, you know, what can I say? Um but again it's you know it's probably six months to a year old. Uh I could smell a little bit of a top note to it. I could feel a little bit of excess moisture and maybe some uh maybe maybe some sort of moisture additive on it. Uh but in the first bowl I just took a couple of flakes, rubbed them loosely, didn't really pulverize them put them in my pipe, lit them, and I'm very impressed. So with me being very impressed with it, you know, there you go. Uh, that's that's my review of it. I'm very impressed. I could only imagine that this would get really good with some age. Uh, and I then, so the second bowl I did, I dried it down a little bit. And I probably dried it down a little too far. So this blend needs a little bit of moisture with it. It doesn't need all the moisture that it comes with. But, uh no with with very little moisture boy did it burn a little hot so i would uh, i I really enjoyed it in a smaller bowl really enjoyed the flavor uh didn't pick up any of that uh coriander or rose oil or whatever they were talking about or uh, you know what it sounds like stuff that my wife would have up in the spice cabinet uh but again i didn't didn't pick up much of it uh And then the review that I like the most on tobaccoreviews.com is a review by Ruffin O' Gold. And this review is from four or five years ago. And he says, uh, this is a lovely blend in a few ways. What I really enjoy about it is that it's very straightforward and is a great representation of what red Virginia flavor is. Oftentimes a Virginia blend will be just that. And this is the best. You know, teach, and this is the best teacher as to what red virginia's tastes like in comparison to other styles of virginia's there is a mild top note and i don't know what it is but i find it pleasurable and it doesn't distract from the flavor of the leaf in the tin aroma there is a super mild whisper of a ketchup type aroma but nothing like a mcclellan product that would be 100 times that aroma I assume that aroma is naturally occurring in Red Virginias, and that McClellan goes out of their way to amplify it, whereas Wessex does not. And I think that's a good thing. It burns cool and slow, and the flavor is not very complex nor boring. It's Red Virginia, and it's damn good. This is a tin I always have on hand, along with a ketchup B type McClellan blend, which I also love. So, again, you know uh, this was five years ago and he was, uh, smoking it a little, you know, a little aged on it. Uh, but again, he's right. It's not McClellan and it's not that lemony grassy Virginia taste that we, uh, that we get with the bright or the yellow Virginias, like the ones we talked about last week. It's a good moderate middle. And this is one that, Again, I won't, you know, it it won't replace my Virginia Periques, but it might be one that I'd be interested in adding into uh, my more on the medium side Virginia blends that if I want to get away from that, um, if I don't want that bright yellow taste and I want something that's a little deeper, maybe a little more fragrant, this would be a good choice for you. Again, it's Wessex Red Virginia Flake, uh, 50-gram tins. I don't know much about the availability because I didn't take time to look it up, but uh, it's definitely one that I'll keep my eye out for, and I think you should too. And in just a moment, we'll be back with Paul Leadbeater. This is Internet Radio.
2: My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, and joining us all the way from uh, just about as opposite of the globe as you can get from uh, Melbourne, Australia, he is a uh, uh, part-time pipe restoration, part-time pipe maker, and uh, relatively new at this too, as well. But uh, Paul Leadbeater, welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. How are you going? good good all right so let let's get to know you 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 obviously grew up in Australia right
3: yeah yep yeah, born and bred in Melbourne Australia
0: and uh, and Melbourne is kind of uh, you're is that the one that's further south
3: yep yeah, yep yeah, just right right down south obviously bar Tasmania which is uh, further but um, yeah we're just right down south below New South Wales yeah
0: so you can't get much lower without going off the continent
3: no that's
0: right. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, so when did uh, when did pipe smoking come into your life?
3: Um, look, realistically, about two years ago. Um, but I, I really, really started to take it up more during um, the quarantine, during COVID. Um, I was smoking cigars for quite a bit of time before that. Um, and uh, I suppose it's, it was always inevitably going to end up in pipes, i like you know actual the paraphernalia of things um and uh yeah so about but about two years now but real full time probably going on a year
0: now cigars in australia i'm assuming they're not very um uh they're not very inexpensive to smoke are they
3: they're, 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 they're quite expensive because um, we have the they tax us per gram so um, regardless of whether, say, there's a $100 cigar from the U.S. or a $10 cigar, they'll end up probably being between $60 and $100 here regardless.
0: <laughs> yeah, add those taxes on and away you go. So when you're looking at a cigar that might be, I don't know, 5, 10, 10, 15 grams of tobacco in that cigar, that cigar is going to cost you a whole lot more than a bowl of pipe tobacco.
3: Yeah, I mean, pipe tobacco is really expensive too, but I suppose individually, you're, yeah, you're smoking that whole cigar in one go. So, yeah, like I normally wouldn't buy one that's under $60 here. So between $60 and 100 is what I'd spend. So if I smoke a cigar, I'm like win 45 minutes to one hour. I'm blowing that money. <laughs>
0: yeah, or you can almost buy a whole pouch or a tin of pipe tobacco for $60 to $100 Australian.
3: Well, about one twenty-five
0: plus now. Ooh. Okay. Well, we'll stop talking about that bad news. Um, did you have anybody in your life that had smoked a pipe before? Because you're, yeah, obviously with Australia being of English heritage and any uh any people from the old world.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So my although my granddad although he died in 1998, um he smoked pipes and he's really the only guy I did know that did. Um, and um, I, I never really got to know him too well because I was quite young when he died. Cause I'm just 35. So in 98, I was quite young. Um, and, but I always feel that I'm quite similar to him. Um, and I actually have one of his pipes, which is really cool that I've restored. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: And let's talk about your last name lead beater
3: lead beater yeah
0: well you say it better than i do but uh (laughs) tell
3: tell us the story of what a lead beater is so yeah a lead beater is a tool that um is used to shape the lead flashings around um tiled roof houses um they don't use lead flashings much these days but it you'd have them in different shapes to um Fit in with the different profiles of the roof tiles um these are obviously like terracotta or concrete roof tiles not your yeah. slate tiles um and so there'd be a few different profiles made out of timber to go around and beat the lead into shape along all the other roofs back <laughs> in the day so uh as i was saying uh, earlier i um i've found a couple in some of the um 100 year plus homes that i've renovated um in modern days, they still make them, but make, made out of a bean bag on the end of a stick. So the bean bag can just naturally take any shape. Wow.
0: So you're actually named after the tool, which I'm pretty sure that became someone's profession was the, you know, someone came along and was the lead beater at the end of the roof being put on.
3: Yeah. I mean, I suppose we would have been plumbers or roof plumbers, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. In old English days. Do you know how far back the name goes? Not exactly, but it would be old because it would have been in the days when you, that's how you chose your name. Like the reason there's plenty of smiths is because I suppose blacksmith was just a really common job. Yeah. Um, so there's not, there's, there's a few lead beaters here and there. I, I've actually found a, another Paul lead beater in England <laughs> on um, Facebook years ago. Um, he's not as cool as me.
0: that means he doesn't smoke a pipe
3: right yeah yeah, probably you know he's a gamer i think (laughs) oh well we won't talk to
0: him he's too busy playing video games anyway um so when you were when you were growing up what did what did you want to be when you grew up
3: i mean (laughs) i actually wanted to be a um which is probably pretty stereotypical a fireman originally (laughs) yeah and I actually did start that process at one point, but it just i, I it just d- d- ended it. Um, at, at which point, probably in my teens, I decided I did want to get in the building industry and be a carpenter, which I did do, and then ended up becoming a builder. So um, it started off pretty, you know, like any kid. They all want to be either a fireman or a policeman or Superman or something. <laughs> um, And uh, yeah, but I I knew that it was always going to be something that didn't involve me going to, say, like a university and learning some kind of academic. Not that I'm not academic in my own mind and in my personal time. It's just that I knew for a job I wanted to not be in an office. I wanted to do a diversity of things to keep myself interested and keep my life interesting.
0: Yeah, and do you kind of like the idea that when you – as a carpenter, when you take on a project, you get to see the end result of it in a day or a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks for a
3: big project. Yeah, that when I was actually a carpenter, because I don't really do that anymore, that was cool because it's very physical. Yeah, like you, you, the frame goes up pretty quick and then there's a huge difference. Um, as a whole in the building job, there are sometimes months where you're doing a lot of work, but it's not that visible. So it's not <laughs> noticeable. But, um, I have mostly always been in renovations um, and that's what excites me the most, like restoring the old, the history of it, find, when you're doing the demolition of an old renovation, the things you find in the excavations and, and the walls and how things were done back in the day, um, that's what excites me more.
0: Yeah, so when you're pulling down the walls of those old houses, you find all kinds of things that they might have that either have fallen into the walls or they might have used as insulation.
3: Yep, yep. Um, sometimes you find nothing, which is really boring. Yeah. But sometimes you find an old tool, uh, an old beer can, um, uh, you know, they carpenters, pencils, some writing, some initials. I've never found money. I'm always looking out for it. Um <laughs> I always tell the clients you won't know if I do because I won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you know we find weird things like spoons from back in the day, old coins. It's random, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So pipe smoking, how did you go about getting started?
3: Well, I started with. Um, I actually the first pipe I bought was a uh, was a falcon pipe, um, mm. and it was an estate one. At which point, after that, I moved to a corn cob pretty quickly, just because I thought I should have a, as a second pipe, just to run round, a pipe that I could just, you know, take anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's, it started off by me just, um, yeah, uh, finding one at a market, and I thought I've been wanting to do this for a while, and now I've got it, and that was it. It just from that point on, I was getting um, just pipe hunting constantly after that.
0: Did you have somebody show you how to pack the pipe or did you go on the internet and learn that?
3: So yeah, not had nobody. Um, it was all me. Um, and mostly, honestly, it was um, mutton shot Piper. Yeah. Uh, there's a few other guys, but he was the best. Um, and from there, it was just experimentation. I, I, I kind of already had been smoking cigars and cigarettes a lot. And I've, I've always smoked my life. Um, so, and I had mucked around with smoking pipes here and there, like actually years and years ago, I made a pipe, not just randomly. I didn't really do it properly. I didn't know what I was doing. I just made one complete one piece out of um, timber. It wasn't very good, but, and I did smoke some like just general tobacco out of that, like I put cigarettes in it or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I did have some random loose experience. And then I just started buying different pipes and experimenting Um and just smoking it until it all went right i um i actually didn't have too much trouble to be honest keeping it lit from the get-go or with tongue bite i um not saying i haven't had trouble since then but i actually had a pretty good start wow all
0: right we're going to take a break right here when we come back we'll talk with paul about getting into restoration and making pipes so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute
2: A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe-making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli.
0: And we are back on the Pipes magazine radio show talking with uh Paul Leadbeater of uh, Melbourne, Australia, which I, I love your accent. I love the way you say Melbourne. It it just <laughs> it, it sounds great. Anyway. Um probably the probably the most Australian accent I've heard of any Australian.
3: So uh, maybe you are, you interviewed uh, Jeremiah from Bullfrog Pipes, didn't you? He's pretty Aussie.
0: Yeah, and I understood most of what he was saying. Um <laughs> And he's a good guy. Uh, So let's fast forward. What made you decide to want to get into doing pipe restoration and, and then maybe pipe making?
3: Well, I think for me it was always inevitable again because I'm from um, house restorations. I've always liked everything old and restoring things. Um, I'm handy with tools and I, already have most things just because of my industry that i'm in so um i'm a market goer as it is already i go to markets a lot and so i instantly started finding just estate pipes um and pick them up whenever i saw them for if they're under 20 bucks i'm buying them um and just it just started off me just cleaning them up you know just generally giving a ream out giving them a light sand back and oiling and I found that that process of restoring the pipe was actually just as much, if not more relaxing to me than smoking a pipe. It really turned my mind off. And,
0: yeah. So you could, you could kind of shut down from the work of the day and just start working on a pipe and, and sit there and watch it come back to life.
3: I'd think about nothing else at that point of time. And I'm a very active mind I think I'm always always something going on. So for me, I was like, this is great. Um,
0: was there uh, parts of the, uh, w- were there parts of the restoration process that took you a little bit more to learn than others?
3: Well, the restoring is not too difficult, to be honest. It was more um, probably learning how to restore the stems properly. Like I- I've only done one that had a hole in it recently. And mm-hmm. that was interesting, um, you know, learning that I actually ended up, um sanding, getting, grinding down some vulcanite and making the dust into a super glue and filling that. But um, there's a lot of other methods, just things like that. But as a whole, the restoring wasn't never too hard for me. I find that I'm a lot better at that than actually the making of pipes. That's, that's where that's hard, you know?
0: <laughs> so, so let's go back to this. The, I don't think I've ever talked about this before, but if there's a tooth hole in the stem uh, there are ways to make that hole go away, which one of them is, the, is uh, dust and, and glue, and then you've got to put it in there, and then you have a process to kind of smooth it down.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so there's basically I've, some people will get um, charcoal powder and mm-hmm. mix that in with, um, say, super glue, make a little paste. Obviously, you've got to put, like, your, your, your um, pipe cleaner, and I actually, I even put a bit of, sandpaper upside down so it's the paper end not the grit end into the pipe the pipe clean under it so it's pushing against the hole from underneath because mm-hmm. so i don't want anything going into the stem and then i make that little paste and i just fill it over it let it dry and then yeah you sand that back um so you can use charcoal powder in with um super glue i've heard people doing um i heard people doing with the, if it was a vulcanite stem, getting an old vulcanite stem and, you know, sanding that up to get the dust. Um, They're the only two processes I've used. Um, I think there are other methods out there, but I'm not sure of them, but um, that's worked for me.
0: Yeah. So by the time you're done with it, that hole has just kind of completely disappeared.
3: Yeah, correct. And then it's more just down to re-sanding the stem in general, to blend it all in going through all your grits maybe from depending where you started maybe started a 320 grit all the way up to a thousand or 1200 and then you've got to just buff it and i might apply some um wax to the pipe again to the to the stem um and just try to bring it back i'm still trying to um there's a guy called rad pipes on instagram he does it, he's really really good at it all um and I'm trying to get to his level, but he obviously does this. I think he does that for a living purely, so he's just doing it constantly. Yeah. Um, but it is cool. It is cool, Like because obviously remaking that whole stem one, I think you mentioned this in one of the early episodes, actually, when it comes to restoring pipes, you prefer parts be restored to original condition as opposed to pipe modifications. Yeah. I'm the same. I like to bring things back. So reusing the stems, a lot better for me than making a new stem for it. Plus my stem work needs um, a lot of work anyway, <laughs> <laughs> to make stems.
0: Well, and those of us that buy estate pipes, we want to buy that pipe cleaned, not something that's going to be a representation of that pipe. Yeah, we, we want the tobacco chamber to be the same size as it re- was originally. Uh, have you had to mess around with matching stain and, and fixing burn
3: spots and... I haven't really had any burns, but some of my pipes, The worst I've really had in the past I've got is just they have not been clean for like (laughs) maybe even 50 years. Who knows? The the cake buildup in some of them is insane. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like around the rim is often just sometimes depending on the guys taking it, sometimes they're just beaten up around the rim and just charred. I'll just sand the top back. Mm -hmm. Um, um, If they're rusticated, I'll try re-rusticate the top. Um, Or sometimes I do just leave them smooth on the top again. But um, staining-wise um i i often i often maybe there's one thing i don't do to get it completely, fully restored is i often just sand to do a very light sand off it, So i'm not taking cuz also i don't want to take out the um the markings okay which yeah. is generally a very light lightly indented into the part um so i'm not sanding it back too much unless there's some damage and at which point i've got to i will just reapply it with a canuba wax or um a uh, Danish oil or something. And that, cause I don't actually like to shellac the pipes. Even if some have had shellac on them, I find that seals them just a bit too much. Mm-hmm. So I prefer the one thing I do do that might change the original is I do prefer to finish them all in a canuga wax and then buff them.
0: And that might actually make them smoke better than they would have before.
3: Yeah. I do have shellac and stuff like that. I've shellac pipes. I just, I don't like it. As much. That's just a personal preference, though.
0: So, are you doing these pipes for other people? Are you doing the the restoration more just for you and for for your own collection?
3: Yeah, I keep them. I like them. Um, I I have. I I will do some for friends. And I've since I've been smoking pipes, I try and convince as many people as possible to learn how to smoke pipes. And I've started. I've created uh, three pipe smokers. Wow. one of which, yeah, I did. I, I, I gave him a pipe and I actually went and found this pipe for him, restored it, and it was a state one, obviously. And I really didn't want to give it. He could tell I didn't want to give it to him because <laughs> I kept saying, remember, you got to take care of this. Here's a bag for it. He's gone. Look, if you're too attached to it, Paul, you can keep it. I'm like, no, no, that's for you. I'm attached to all the pipes, so it's irrelevant, you know. <laughs> I, I find that's actually important to me is um a pipe, I don't necessarily say have a favorite style of pipe. It's more the pipe needs to have meaning and it's already got meaning if it's old and it has been pre-loved by somebody else, you know?
0: Yeah. And that, and that's what I really like about what you're talking about is you're more into the story and the history of the pipe than the actual brand or the shape of, yeah. or the color yeah. or whatever. Uh, and bringing them back to, yeah. In your, uh, uh, in your running around the uh, the markets of Melbourne, have you found any pipes that have just wowed you, or any uh, any really good deals? Uh, everybody wants to find that five hundred dollar Dunhill for five dollars. So.
3: Well, most are good deals because most people don't just have just have a bunch of pipes. Um, if anything, I'm more astounded by the quality. Some that I just can't buy at all because they're just completely burnt through, like <laughs> yeah. mass- like massive holes. Like I don't know what some people do to these pipes. Mm-hmm. But most of the time they're like $20 or under. I do occasionally come across a really beaten up mission Yeah, it's cool as an old mission but like almost beyond restoration and they still want like $1,000 for it. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I already know I can get the same pipe of another dude who's selling the same one for 20 bucks. But um, not, not, not nothing too crazy or special. Like I come across a, f- a fair few Petersons, um, I came across a barling pipe, which is cool. I actually got two of them. Um, My favourite was just coming across a Zulu pipe, which I hadn't had before, Um, a Zulu shaped. um, But nothing too crazy. I'm not entirely sure of the full values of what they would be originally because they are old. But, um, I mean, again, to me, it's not the brand for me. It's the fact that like... I like the idea that someone, you know, spent time making that pipe a long time ago and then someone that then someone bought that from him and cared for that pipe for 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah. And now it somehow ended up in my possession and I'm giving it new life and I'm going to have it for another, hopefully, 30 years.
0: <laughs> well, you're 35, hopefully, maybe 50 years.
3: Maybe, yeah, maybe 50 years. I think I yeah. underestimated my death date there
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you australians live long so you you're lucky as long as you don't get attacked by one of those weird spiders or poisonous snakes that are all over the place <laughs> uh, which we which we talked about before we started recording and we know that they're not running all over australia everywhere you go
3: no well, i mean in fact i think people say we have got some of those poisonous spiders and the redback spider for instance I've got a little, um, a niece and when she was four, she got bitten by one and the hospital turned her away. They said, just, um, just keep an eye on her. So I, I, and, and I, and that's listed as one of the most poisonous spiders. So I really question that now. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And and with you doing home renovations, especially on older homes, uh, that'd be a perfect place for snakes, spiders, all kinds of weird animals to be living and
3: spiders. Yeah. No snakes. Um, if you're scared of spiders, maybe don't get in that industry. That's right, because you're under <laughs> subfloor. You're you're just going through cobwebs and spiderwebs, and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, yeah,
0: yuck! All right, let's talk about pipe making because you're you're trying your hand at it, but it doesn't sound like you're uh, real thrilled with what you've done so far.
3: Um, I'm not completely unthrilled with what I've done, but I've it's a you, uh, I, I've been piped actually made the making of actual pipes has been realistically since late, very late last year. So I've made about 12 pipes. Um, I've completely ruined about three or four (laughs) that never got anywhere. Um, But that is something that just takes years to perfect. I can like even anything good that I do is not, remotely close to what um you know say people like for instance jeremiah from for Pipes does or yeah. and, and like they the the talent in in and, and pipe guys are so they know the guys who like pipes it's some of their guys who are buying <laughs> new pipes every week yeah and they know their pipe they're so picky and so they should be um it's just something that I I can't until I'm not trying to do it as a profession so I'm not doing them every day um, so I I just can't call myself a proper pipe maker compared to what some people are doing. For me, it's more I like it's a hobby. Again, I like making them. It gives me something to do, and it brings meaning to the pipe that I've got. Again, you know. So, but this is one that I made here. Mm-hmm. This is a Hollywood. Yep. Poker. That was actually the first. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is the first pipe I made. So that's actually this is before I even thought about stems. That's actually a a, a Missouri miniature stem, <laughs> corn cob <crop> stem. <laughs> but that's the part. I might remake that stem one day, actually. But you know, um, but that's the uh, and I've made um, others since then, and some little gone. Tried to do some crazy designs, but I I um, I actually spoke to Nate Rose over Instagram a bit, and um, he was like, just because I kept changing. Different, doing one part than a different style and different style. I said, just keep doing billiards or pokers for a while, and you know, affect them first. And um, I, honestly, I've got, I'm, I'm still just trying to learn how to control the lathe properly and get better at that. Um, and that's more for my stem work. I've really, really got to improve my stem work. Um, that I find is actually a lot harder than making the stammel itself.
0: yeah Yeah, the wood's a little easier to mess with than the than the materials used for a stem and yeah and getting that shape tapering down just right or saddling just right is uh yeah stop me from i don't even like cleaning stems that's how right yeah well you said you clean you're sending them
3: off to your cleaner yeah yeah
0: yeah i'm getting my i'll let somebody else clean my stems for me thank you very much (laughs) so how often are you smoking a pipe is it Couple times uh, a day,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, look, the minimum will be once a day, mm-hmm. and that's if I've got a busy day, so I haven't had time, and that means I'm having it at night time with a whiskey or a beer or a coffee or a tea, depending <laughs> how I feel. Um, but I'll um, sometimes two to three times as well. Um, I always keep a um, pipe or two pipes in my car with a mix, and um, just, you know, so I can smoke that if it's, you know, there's traffic or I've got some time to downtime to wait. Um, But yeah, it's something that I try and do every day. Um, Pipes, for me, they, I used to have a really, really, I I was a sugar junkie, basically. Mm -hmm. I had a problem with sugar for a long, long, long time and I couldn't get off it. And when I started taking up pipes more full time, I actually just stopped eating sugar. Yeah. So, I mean, not not to the point where I know it's in bread, it's in yogurt and stuff, but I right. mean like mashing a pack of lollies or tin or chocolate every night, you know. Um, I just instantly stopped that completely. So it's really improved a lot of things in my life like that. Yeah,
0: I had a problem with pastries.
3: And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: well, Paul, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep. So what is your favorite pipe?
3: My favorite pipe would at this point would be one that I don't, I don't smoke too often, but it's my granddad's pipe that I restored because yeah. it has the most meaning. Yeah. And, and that's actually a, I'll quickly get it to show you. I know other people can't see it, but it's just a, a, a billion here and yeah. it's got a really, really deep bowl. Actually. That's about 35 mil across and about 45 mil deep. Um, that probably burned for about an hour and a half plus depending on how you're smoking
0: yeah i'd almost call that more of a pot shape than a billiard
3: probably is a pot shape yeah 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 it just looks like a good smoker that was his um and unfortunately we don't have any of his other ones but um yeah yeah
0: uh what is your favorite tobacco
3: at the moment um it's actually mcbarron hh um vintage syrian Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I really and 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 if not that it's plum pudding and kind of stuff I really like my um Latakia and Oriental blends Are you able to are you ordering them from overseas and hoping they
0: get by the uh Australian authorities oh, yeah. and yeah yeah we won't Of course we don't know anything about that officer honestly nope.
3: <laughs> uh, uh what is your favorite drink Um ooh if it's not alcoholic, it's coffee. I drink coffee more than anything else, 100. percent So definitely coffee. Um, when it goes alcoholic, um, uh, re- real recently, I've really been into my stouts and my um, single malt um, aged whiskies or Scotch whiskies.
0: Well, and it's winter time there for you, so that's a good time of year for stouts.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think the thing about stouts is they, they, they seem like they kind of have a black coffee taste to them, you know, in the background. So it's probably why. Yeah. I
0: had a, uh, a chocolate stout that was, uh, that was aged with some Perique staves in it one time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was good. Um, and potent too, but we won't talk about that. Um uh, when it's time to relax and you're not working on pipes, do you prefer a book, a movie or music?
3: Kind of somewhere in between there. I like audio books. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm listening to it, but mm-hmm. it's, um, and if, if not music, but yeah. Yeah.
0: And then finally, do you have a uh, favorite pipe smoking
3: related memory that we haven't talked about? Ah, uh, not exactly. You know what the memories would be for me is would come down to pipe hunting, just generally walking through the markets, not knowing what you're looking for. And with that keen eagle eye, you just all of a sudden see a pipe in amongst all the stuff and you, you, you're like, there it is. And you get excited and, and you buy it. And then, you know, you've, you know, that's just that it's really, really fun.
0: Uh, so do you want to give us a way to get a hold of you if we want a uh, pipe cleaned up in uh, in australia i don't think we want to <laughs> ship anything
3: in from out of the yeah, country well i mean obviously i'm just um melbourne pied pipes on instagram which is uh melbourne underscore pied underscore pipes um and that's the best way um I'm pro- I've still got a bit to go with getting my pipe restoration skills up to scratch, but if um, so I probably wouldn't really charge too much if I was going to do it for now. It's more of a hobby, but yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch, feel free.
0: Follow him, follow him on Instagram and take a look at the stuff he's doing. Paul Leadbeater, Thank you very much for coming on.
3: Thank you for having me, Brian. It's been really good talking to you.
0: And we'll be back in just a minute.
1: I'm Jeremy Reeves head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell and Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vive, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deals Cellar Series, the secret ingredient, is time. Contact your local or online
0: retailer for information. This is Internet Radio, and we are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. I, I really do enjoy meeting these people, especially from around the around the world. I mean, Melbourne, Australia, and uh, and uh, follow Paul on Instagram because I I really like the work he's doing, and it's a fun job for him, so it's not stressful. All right, for music, we are going to uh, horns, and uh, Chris wrote. Uh, Brian, at the end of episode 456, you mentioned you were somewhat of a horn guy. I am as well. And knowing your love of Disney, and hopefully by extension Pixar, I thought I'd share with you a great piece. Gospel, performed by the March 4th, M-A-R-C-H, second word, F-O-U-R-T-H, marching band, as featured in Monsters University. Uh, Monsters University, the prequel to Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. is the Pixar movie that anybody that has any kind of a soul cries at the end of. If you don't cry at the end of Monsters, Inc., I'm sorry, you are a heartless, cold, dead person. Um, Anyway, Monsters University, not the best prequel, but still fun. So, Anyway, here is... uh, March 4th, the March 4th marching band doing their song Gospel that was uh, featured in Monsters University. March 4th Band is uh, what I would call a performance band. And uh, you can go on to their website, M-A-R-C-H-F-O-U-R-T-H band.com. And uh, look at their videos. I mean, that, they put on a show.
2: Read the mail, read the mail,
0: read the mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can go on to PipesMagazine.com and post it right there on the radio show page. Or you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, you can also, while you're on Facebook, look at the Disney Tabacchiana Collection while you're there. So just Google search Disney Tobaciana Collection. Yeah, it's right there. Uh, going back to last week's show with uh, Russ... Uh, Chill Lucky says, oh, that's funny. I'm a journeyman pipe smoker, 28 years, who just started as an apprentice at a machine shop. So he's going in the opposite direction as Russ is. And then uh, Dino says, a very nice conversation with Russ, who seems to be on a successful path as a pipe smoker. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing of his nascent pipe carving adventure, making a pipe for his grandfather, a warm and wonderful story. Uh, What can one say about the music choice? Just... Bach, enough said. Uh, your rave was a great closing note. Thanks, Dino. Dino, you're welcome. Yeah, and one day soon I'll get to see Dino again too. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, uh, "This is a, this is a week after the show, and with my memory, there's no telling what I'll mess up. But what the hay. <laughs> Uh Seems like you re- recommended three straight Virginias, and unfortunately, it doesn't help me as uh, me much as I must have some noticeable perique with my Virginias." You know, I can agree with that, except for my morning in the summertime. Uh, and then he goes on to say, good conversation with the novice. You seem to have a good knack for drawing out the kind of stories that we are looking for from these guys. Bach was very good. Good rant. Uh, so let me just make two comments. Um, one, I'm not recommending Virginias to people. I'm recommending that if you want to try a Virginia, these are this is the place to start. And it'll give you an idea of... Good quality, readily available tobaccos that are in different styles from different manufacturers, but basically the same tobacco. So it's just a place to start. Uh, And then as far as a knack for drawing out the kind of stories, it's really easy when every pipe smoker is an interesting person on their own. All right, so remember, comments, questions, email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. iTunes rating and reviews, much, much, much appreciated. And always continue sharing out the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you happen to be. All right, rant time's coming up next.
1: There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn. Or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
0: At the pipes magazine radio show we produce a podcast it's an audio recorded event that goes out once a week and we produce it you know weekly um and uh, sometimes bi-weekly uh just like i'm doing right now as i've told you i'm putting two shows together at a time however i follow a couple of other podcasts including some disney podcasts that are professionally done and have ads inserted into them and everything and they sound awfully stupid when they try to fake the fact that it's not pre-recorded and that they do i've heard them do i've caught them a couple of times where they've done batches of shows you know they'll do like three weeks in a day And then hold them and not say anything about it. And then some big news comes out in between those. Well, then they sound really stupid when they just kind of miss the big news. And then they come back after the show, after all the pre-recorded shows. And then the next show they'll say, oh, you know, we forgot to mention on the past show this really big thing. No, you didn't forget. You're trying to fake the fact that. You know, you pre-record a bunch all at once and then you go away for a month and then you come back and you pre-record four more shows. So just admit that you pre-record these shows and that you might miss some big news stuff. Yeah, just admit it. It's not that, you know, it's not bad. Sorry. Or don't cover the news stuff. Just cover historical stuff. Yeah. So there are times that we do miss some of these shows, and sorry, you know, when when we have to pre-record, I tell you, we're pre-recording. Yeah, next week's show is almost done along with this show, so there you go. As a podcast, hey, sometimes you have to pre-record. All right, do make sure and uh, leave comments and uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes, and email me if you have any questions or concerns. Uh, If you have any travel stuff that you want to talk about, send me an email. Uh, thank you very much to Paul for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in and until next time.
2: clouds when we're together, just sing a
1: song and think about sunny
2: weather.
1: happy
0: trails hung prettier than a $20 whore.